I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. We, we normally do. Sometimes it's tough to do it because of the, the, the placement of the scriptures, but I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand this morning. Uh, if you've got your Bibles and you would like to uh, turn with me this morning, uh, Psalms 27 and Isaiah 64 is where we're going to take our text from. It's only going to be three scriptures. You won't be standing long. But while you're finding Psalms 27 and Isaiah 64, how many of you have just had just a great week? Some of y'all just got back from vacation. Y'all better have your hands up. Okay. All right. And let's be honest. Uh, anybody had a tough week? Just kind of, yeah, okay. A little difficult week? Yeah. I, I find that every Sunday, week after week, it's a mixture. And some of us walk in here encouraged and fired up and ready to go. And they're saying, it's Sunday, it's on, I'm, I'm here, I'm ready to represent. And, and then there's other people that come in and say, look, I just barely survived Thursday. I came in here coasting on fumes, and, and, and I'm, I'm just here. And that's okay because we're a body, and we're supposed to be diverse. That's why the, the Bible says that, we're, we're to rejoice with those that are rejoicing and weep with those that are weeping. And uh, when some people are up, others are down. And, and, and we're brought together in such a time as this so that we can help each other. When you've got difficulties and issues and some of us are walking in victory and some of us are suffering some tough losses. And, and I'm thankful that we get to gather together every week so we can pray for each other, lean on each other. Uh, and, and we've been talking a lot lately about how the church is supposed to function and operate as a family. So, so maybe, let me just encourage you before I read the scriptures this morning, maybe, maybe those of us that have had a good week could maybe just adopt one of these that's had a tough week. And just, just take them by the arm and say, you know what, I'm going to adopt you and, and, and I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to help God's uh, will be done in your life and I'm just going to, you've been stressed out, you've been overwhelmed, you've been suffering some losses, I'm just going to adopt you for the week. You're going to be my brother or my sister and I'm just going to hold you up before the Lord and, and, and we'll all get better together, amen? So last week, if you were here, you were pretty mean to each other because you was talking about each other's weight problem. And since we talked about a weight problem last week, I thought it would be a good week this week to talk about uh, how to solve weight problems. If a person is struggling in their physical body with a weight problem, one of the best ways to get rid of weight is by weight training. Uh, you, you start weight training and you will uh, often find that you'll lose excess weight. And as it is in the natural, it is also in the spiritual. So I'm going to open with the scriptures this morning. Psalm chapter 27, verse 13. The Bible says, Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Do you believe that? You believe that? Verse 14 says, It just takes you down a notch. It's just a little, it's a, I'll, I'll get less hand claps on this. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently. It is never good when God has to repeat himself twice that close together. When he tells you to wait patiently, wait patiently. <laughs> it's not a good sign that it's going to be easy. Wait patiently for the Lord. Then over in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4 reads like this. For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works 
for those who wait on him. Amen. No eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait on him. doesn't say he works for everybody. It says he works for the ones that are standing around waiting for him. He's not, he's not working on behalf of everybody. He's working on behalf of those who have been patient. Remember that scripture in Psalms 27? Wait patiently for the Lord. Why do we want to wait patiently? Because God works for those who wait patiently. One of the worst feelings in life is waiting. Whether you're waiting on God or waiting on the preacher to let you sit down, they're both tough situations. Amen? Does anybody, does anybody ever say, I love to wait? Yeah, I was going to pray that line spirit out of somebody before we got started if you raised your hand because nobody likes to wait. Waiting is one of the most difficult uh, things that we will have to learn how to do in this life, especially when it comes to waiting on God. You may be seated in His presence. I said a bold statement last week. I might as well, I might as well give you another one this week. I, I hadn't done bold statements in a while, so I'm just going to make one again this week. I want to proclaim this big big truth, and I'm going to say it unapologetically, and I'm not going to back off of it. Here it is. God wants to bless you. And some of you are standing here wondering, what do you mean he wants to bless me? Don't you know what? I just raised my hand and said I went through a rough week. I'm, I'm going to say it even this way. God wants to bless you massively. He wants to bless you according to his scriptures more than you can imagine or even think. He, he wants to bless you in such a way that you have never comprehended. I have not seen, nor has it ever entered your ear canal, nor have you ever imagined what God's got in store for you. God wants to bless you, and he wants to bless you massively. Now would be a good time just to tell a neighbor, maybe. Just look at him and say, God wants to bless you. Can you say that this morning? And some of you are awkward. Some of you don't want to say it. But the Bible says over and over and over again how God blesses his people. The Bible says he blesses faith. The Bible says he blesses faithful people. And there is story after story after story of people and examples that God has blessed. The scriptures are clear that there are spiritual blessings that belong to those who believe in Christ Jesus. Amen? As a matter of fact, the Bible tells me all of heaven's resources belong to me. I, I thought I might get a shout right there. That, I mean, everything that is in heaven, the Bible says if it's loose up there, I can loose it down here. That, that, that whatever heaven has, and heaven, I don't know if anybody told you this, but heaven's pretty bougie. I mean, I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no sickness in heaven. There, there's no pain in heaven. There's no death in heaven. There's no sorrows in heaven. There's nothing that brings you down in heaven. There's nothing but healing and prosperity and goodness and kindness and love in heaven and the Bible says that what they have we have access to it so God wants to bless you the power of God is available to you the affection of God the approval of God the grace of God is free and we ought to be grateful today for the grace of God God wants to bless you he wants to bless you abundantly he wants to bless you massively and and, and some of you are walking in that blessing some of you are in a season right now where you are seeing his promises fulfilled. 
We've got some people in this room that are, are, are expecting children. And, and, and maybe uh, there are people that are, are, are expecting and, and didn't know if they could have children. And uh, there's people that just got their promotion at their job that they've been wanting. And there's people that just got the house loan that they were looking for. Uh, they got the phone call from that prodigal son or daughter that they didn't expect. And, and, and so they, they, maybe they finally got, received their physical healing. Some of you are walking in your promises. But then there's some of you, you're not there yet. How many of you have ever been on vacation with some kids? Yeah, that's fun. Vacation with kids always sounds like a better idea than it turns out to be. You ever notice that? I'm preaching so good, I'm turning the lights on and off. Did you know that? You ever been on vacation with, uh, with kids and, and from the back seat there's always this question? I didn't even have to get it out of my mouth. Are we there yet? No. We just left the house six minutes ago. You know? And, and, and here's my, here was always my go-to answer. No. We'll get there when we get there. I'll wake you up when we get there. Just, just here's some Benadryl. No, no, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Some of us... No, we're on our way, but we're not there yet. But that doesn't change the truth that God wants to bless you, that He wants to bring you into blessing. Just because you're not there yet doesn't change the fact that He has plans to bless you. Now let's talk for a second about why we struggle with this concept. Some of us, and, and I'm, I'm guilty too, I struggle with the idea of saying God wants to bless me. Because for a lot of us, uh, we, we know that the Scripture says what it says. And if I'm going to talk about you, I'm going to say with confidence, God wants to bless you. But when I start talking about me, it feels just a little weird for me to say God wants to bless me. I'll, I'll talk all day long about Him blessing your socks off. But, but when the table gets turned on me, I have a hard time. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know if this is your experience, but it is mine. One of the reasons I have such a hard time claiming blessings is because of bad teaching. Because there are people that teach and have taught and people have been uh, suckered into it that if you believe enough and, and don't forget to send them a check, don't forget to sow into their ministry. But if you have enough faith and you send a, a, a ministry check to them that God wants you to be rich and He wants you to be wealthy and He's just going to shower cash down over the balcony of heaven and give everybody a new car and you get a new car and you get a new car and you get a Lamborghini and y'all get a Mercedes. And that's the image that some of us have about this thing we call the prosperity gospel. But let me just give you a reality check. The gospel is about a man named Jesus. And Jesus suffered and died and gave his life for us. He bled out on Calvary. He spent six hours in agony and torture, dying from our, for our sins. Then he rose again on the third day. And to get to the Father, to make it to heaven, you've got to go through him and his sacrifice. And if you have trusted in his death, and you have taken up your cross, and you have decided to follow him all the days of your life, and you repent of your sins, and you ask him to be your Savior, then guess what? Life still might get tough for you. 
You go through all the things, you memorize all the scriptures, you say all the prayers, and life might still get worse for you. The New Testament is very clear. It says, you who believe in Jesus will endure persecution and suffering, and some of you will go to your death for following Jesus. So no, there's no prosperity gospel in this book. But that doesn't mean that the truth is not still the truth. God wants to bless you. And he wants to bless you massively. How do you know that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Because this book is filled with stories of God blessing people. Of Jesus blessing people. And I want to show you in a moment, it's full of stories of Jesus commissioning you to also go and bless people. Amen. Oh, you know why that clap was so weak? Because some of us come to church wanting somebody to bless us. Some of us come to church saying, bless me, preacher. Bless me, praise team. Bless me, somebody. I'm hurting and need a blessing. And what would it look like if the church gathered together looking to be a blessing instead of coming to take one from everybody? Hmm? God intends every person to live with abundance. Now, now, does everybody live in it? Absolutely not. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. We'll get into some of them this morning. But I believe that it's God's desire for every person to experience life. I say that, and I don't back down from it. Do you know why I say it? Because he said it. He said the thief comes to do three things. Steal, kill, and destroy. But he said, I've come that you might have abundant life. Amen? He wants you to live Abundantly. In other words, God intends for every person to experience life more abundantly and influence the world around them. And that is very important for you to understand this morning because that's when you begin to realize the idea of why God wants to bless you. Because He's not just wanting to bless you to make you happy, it's not about making you comfortable. It's not about making life easy for you or making things convenient for you. The reason God wants to bless you is because he wants you to show the rest of the world how good he is. It's not about you. It's not about your enjoyment of things. If you said to me, I believe God wants to give me this really big house with a big comfy couch and he wants me to sit there and watch TV all day. And that's my blessed life. That's my abundant life. My question to you would be, why? Why would God give you that? Because that's not helping his mission at all. That's not helping you tell his story at all. That's not blessing anybody except for you. What's the point of him giving you that blessing? No, I believe God wants to bless you massively, but not so you can be happy, but so that your life can be an influence to everybody in your world. That means you can be a giver. That means that you can become somebody who speaks on behalf of God. God gives so lavishly and lovingly and freely and with no uh, uh, ties attached to it. And that's what he wants you to show the world. He wants you to show the world how good he is. You can give him glory. You can encourage other people. And there's an Old Testament story that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach the rest of my message about this Old Testament story this morning that shows God's plan for blessing his people. Let's talk about Joshua. Oh, see, Joshua's always been one of my favorite Bible characters, and there's one specific reason why. It's about his age. It's about his age. We're going to talk about that for a few moments, okay? I'm 48 years old today, okay? I don't know how you feel about 48. Uh, uh, some of you are like, boy, he's young. 
And then some of y'all are like, man, he's old. And, and, and it all depends on where you are in life. Somebody say amen. So some of you are like, I'd like to be 48 again. And then some of y'all are like, Lord, if I was 48, I'd just as soon die. And it all depends on where you are in life and what your perspective is. But, but the reason I bring that up is because when Joshua's story begins today, Joshua, Joshua is at an age that most people don't believe is a starting point. See, he started following Moses, and, and his story picks up when he's about 20. But then they spent 40 years in the wilderness before he became the leader. When he became the leader, 20 plus 40 is. So he's at least 60 when he gets turned over as the leader. Joshua walked around for 40 years in God's blessing. But blessing don't always look like blessing to those that are looking at it. So, so I, I, some of y'all are lost already. Let me help you. Joshua teaches us that blessings show up a lot of different places and in a lot of different forms. Some of you would look at Joshua's life and say, I'm very confused how you can call that a blessing. Because when he had all of that going on, that doesn't sound like a blessing to me. And can I tell you that that's one way that you can learn, know that you are living a blessed life? When your life confuses other folks? When, when other people are looking at you saying, I don't understand how you can go to church on Sunday and lift your hands. I don't understand how you can say that God is good. When they look at your mess, maybe you just got laid off from work. Uh, maybe your kids are in a mess. May, maybe the doctor said it's about to get rough. And yet everything that comes out of your mouth is, but yet God is good and I believe that God is blessing me. That confuses folks. That messes people up. When you're at the job and everybody else is getting pink slips and saying, oh, my life is over, and you are saying, God brought me into this, God will bring me out of it, and God will always be good, that confuses people. So you can know you're living a blessed life when your life confuses them. And in Numbers chapter 27, Joshua finds out from God that he's going to take Moses' place and be the new leader of Israel. And here's what God says in a short statement. I want Joshua to lead the people, get this, into blessing. Does God plan to bless you? Absolutely. And it's always ahead of you. The, the blessing is always ahead of you until you're in it. So he said, I want Joshua to lead the people. So that tells me two things. Number one, my blessing's in front of me if I'm not in it right now. And secondly, anybody who's with me gets the blessing too. He said, I want Joshua to lead my people into blessing. So God wants to bless Joshua. He wants to bless him massively. And yet, he spends 40 years waiting for it to happen. I thought my amen committee might resign right there. You know one of the reasons that you fail to believe that God wants to bless you is because you have such a short time frame in mind? We assume, we assume this. Well, if God wants to bless me, then next week is going to be great. Well, maybe not. God wants to bless you, and you might struggle for a decade. You, if, if Joshua is an indication, you might struggle for four decades. The blessing might be out in front of you, and you're always walking toward it, but you're circling around it. You can see it. You can tangibly know it's close and not be in it yet. But that doesn't mean God doesn't want to bless you. 
It just means God's timing is different than yours. Let me help you understand that because let's talk about why it took 40 years. Why did they have to wait on God's blessing? Is God just cruel? Is God playing games? Is God playing keep away? No. They didn't take God at His word. When God said they could have it, they didn't believe it. They wouldn't possess it. So now they get to wait 40 years to walk into it. Moses never got to see the inside of the promised land because he was disobedient. Oh, we don't like that. Moses led them for 40 years and could not enter the promised land because he disobeyed God one time. The reason I bring this up is because some of you are waiting on your blessing, some of you are waiting on your breakthrough, some of you are waiting on your miracle, but there are some things that you do to yourselves that keeps your blessing just out of reach. Three things in particular. Are you ready for this? Delays are caused by three things. Number one, the enemy. Do you remember Daniel? Do you remember Daniel's prayer? The Bible says Daniel prayed, and on the first day he prayed, God said yes. But the answer didn't show up. Why did it take 21 days for the answer to show up? Because the Bible says the enemy was trying to block your answer. So the enemy is always, even though you have prayed, the enemy is always trying to block the answer from getting to you. And some of you are blaming God, saying God's not answering my prayer, but God is saying to you, no, I answered you on the first day. But the enemy has blocked your answer, so you have to keep on praying because the longer you pray, the more heaven gets involved and shakes your blessing loose. Some of you, it's not that you don't have a blessing. Your blessing has been hijacked. Your blessing has been held hostage, and you quit praying because you quit believing. So you've got to get back on your face and believe again and pray again and God will bring your blessing to pass. The devil can't hold your breakthrough hostage forever, but you have to believe enough to pray. The next two reasons, are I'm going to run them together because they basically are the same thing but in different forms. Number one is unrepentant sin. And the third one is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is unrepentant sin. But unforgiveness carries its own weight because the Bible says if you can't forgive anybody else, heaven won't forgive you. So they are one and the same. However, unrepentant sin can cover a multitude of things. When, when you're asking God to do a miracle on your behalf, but you're living with the devil, how are you going to expect God to do mountain-moving miracles when all you can do they show up for church on Sunday and then shack up with the devil the rest of the week. Those two won't go together. And I don't know about you, but it is bad enough that I have to fight the devil to get my blessing. I don't want to also fight myself. So, so listen, some of you, this, this will help somebody. This, this will get somebody closer to your blessing this morning. If you could just ever learn how to say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. 
Forgive me of holding a grudge. Forgive me of being bitter. I want you to bless the one that I have been holding unforgiveness against. I speak blessing over their life. I know they hurt me. I know they damaged me. I know what they did to me was wrong. But I want you to bring them into their blessing and into their destiny because I also want you to do that for me. And if I can't let them free, you can't make me That'll get some of you closer to your blessing right there when you cut other people loose. Another thing to remember is this. Joshua was not guilty of doubt. Joshua and Caleb was the only two that believed God. So when the whole rest of the nation said, we can't go, Joshua and Caleb said, yes, we can, and we ought to do it right now. Did you see the size of them grapes? And Joshua was held out of his promise for 40 years and it wasn't his fault the reason he missed his promise for 40 years was because of the people he was with be careful when you're choosing who you're going to travel through life with just because they're a good time doesn't mean they're a good pick because some people if you're going to travel through life with them you better be satisfied with always being out of reach of your blessing because if they don't go, you can't go without them. One of the hardest concepts you're ever going to face in your Christian walk is knowing that God is working when you can't see what He's doing. And believing that He's working when it looks like He's doing absolutely nothing at all. Every parent in here with grown children that don't know the Lord, you know what I'm talking about. It seems like He's doing absolutely nothing. It seems like their life is not affected by your prayers whatsoever. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You've got grown children. You've been praying for them. You've been praying for them. You've been ta- you know it's God's will for them to be saved. Obviously, He loves them. He wants them into His kingdom. But the longer you pray, nothing seems to happen. So the question is this. What do I do right now? I know God wants to bless me. I've been waiting what do I do? I've got five things that I'm going to show you this morning. I'm going to show you five things that you can do while you're waiting on your miracle. First thing I want you to know is that there's nothing wrong with waiting. But you need to learn how to use the time. When Jesus went into the garden to pray, the night he was crucified, the Bible says he left three of his disciples behind and he went to pray. And when he came back, he found them doing what? Speaking in tongues and rolling around on the floor having prayer meetings? No, there's a sleep. And his question was, couldn't you wait with me one hour? Couldn't you just stay awake and wait? See, see, it's okay to wait, but you got to know how to use the time. So while you're waiting, you better be praying. Because there's an hour of temptation. I don't have time to get into this. There's an hour of temptation that will come against your hour of prayer. And if you're not deep inside that hour of prayer, the hour of temptation will pull you away because the enemy feels closer than your father is when you're not giving him the proper use of your time. When you're not using the time properly, then the enemy feels closer than he does. So you have to use that time and pray. So the first the first thing that you need to do while you're waiting is learn to rest. I thought my wife might say, amen right there. My wife loves a good nap. You need to learn how to
about a rest. And what do I mean by rest? Just take a siesta? No, absolutely not. When you rest in God, it means you learn how to trust Him to do and you stop trying to do. You can't save anybody. You pray and rest in God and His ability to send the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you a very valuable piece of advice this morning? Be patient. Did you you read what the Scripture said? Be patient and wait on the Lord. You may not think so, but you really don't want to rush God. I saw what happened when Israel rushed God. God didn't want them to have a king. They said, we want one. Didn't work out good for anybody. You think you want to get God in a hurry, but you really don't. And, and, and listen, I'm going to testify this morning. I hate, detest being late. I would rather be an hour early than five minutes late. Y'all, y'all not getting this. I mean, it's a real struggle. And it burns my biscuits to have to wait on late people. It's a struggle for me. For them, not so much. It don't seem to bother them a bit. I, sometimes I'll be waiting on somebody and I'll get a text that says something like this. Look, I'm, I'm running a little bit late. I'll be there in 10 minutes. And if I'm not, wait a little longer. Right? Like, do you do that to folks? If you do, quit it. You stop it. You stop that. Just wait longer. What kind of a message is that? If, if, if you've waited 10 minutes, just, just keep waiting. Kind of a message is that? And, and I think, I think though, that waiting on other people is training me for my Christian walk. Because sometimes that's what God says to me. S- sometimes I, I'm like, God, I believe you want to bless me, but I'm still walking through this mess. I, I'm still struggling with this burden. How much longer, Lord? I go over to Habakkuk and I read that over and over. How much longer, Lord, must I endure all of these ho- hardships? And then God just whispers to me, wait a little. Just, just wait. But God, you don't understand how bad this hurts. You don't understand how bad I need this. Just wait a little longer. I'm doing something in your life that you don't even see yet. You don't understand it, but you're going to have to wait to obtain it. Because when you finally get it, you'll finally see why it took so long to get there. And some of you right now, you're feeling like you're waiting on God. You've been praying for something, and you're wondering, God, what has taken so long? God, are you even listening to me? Have you forgotten me? Do you not even care about me? Maybe you're praying that God will heal you from migraines. I don't know. Maybe you're praying that God will ask a loved one to come and join you in church. Or maybe you've been praying that God would give you a new job where you got benefits where you can provide for your family. And you might ask God to heal you from depression or from your bad marriage or for God to bring you a spouse. And, and, and yet the more you pray, the less you see and you wonder, God, where are you? You've been praying and you've been begging and you've been waiting and you've been believing and you believe he can, but yet he hasn't. Does anybody know what that feels like? And during that moment of waiting and waiting... You keep saying over and over, I don't get this. I just don't get this. Pastor, why does it take so long? My inbox will be full. Pastor, I don't understand why. Why am I going through this? I'm trying to, I'm trying to 
do the right thing. Why is this taking so long? And God wants you to know building takes time. And when he's building something in your life, you do not want him to rush. You want him to do it right the first time. So wait longer. Look at your neighbor and say, wait a little longer. Just, just wait a little longer. Just wait a little longer. But, because sometimes waiting is a healthy spiritual concept. You know why? Because when you wait, you learn to rest. You learn to rest. Why is God so concerned about teaching you how to rest while you wait? Well, I told you last week that all waiting is not the same. Amen? And last week we waited at an airport and we waited at a, a, in a checkout and we, we waited in traffic. All waiting is not the same. And, and if you're waiting for me to shut up this morning so you can beat the Baptist to the good seat at the restaurant, that's one kind of waiting. But some of us are old enough to remember the old at-home pregnancy tests. That was waiting in a whole other way. That, I'm, ta- I'm not talking, uh, those of you that just got pregnant in the last 10 years, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the slow ones. I'm talking about the one that you had to shake up and then set it on the counter and just let it rest. And the longer it took, it felt like a lifetime was passing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about that is a long 15 minutes. Uh Uh-huh. It's only 15 minutes, but it feels like days. And in those 15 minutes while you're waiting for those lines to show up, it is hard to rest. Uh, You know what I'm talking about. Because sometimes while you're waiting, your whole world is changing. If you've got that pregnancy test sitting on that bathroom counter, two little lines will wreck your world. Hello? I was almost going to preach a sermon one time called Little Things That Cause Great Big Chaos. And I was going to use those two little lines on a pregnancy strip. Because because those two little lines will wreck your world. Because for some of you, you will run out of the bathroom waving that thing over your head because it's the answer to your prayer. And then... Some of you will need somebody to come scrape you off the bathroom floor because you have melted into a puddle of pity and despair on yourself because you can't believe that you're about to have a baby. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And I think sometimes in our life we see things we want and we want them right now. And so we go to God and say, God, I've got to have that. And I've got to have it now. It's my money and I want it now. And God says... If you'll wait 15 minutes, it'll be so much better. If you'll wait a few more years, it'll be so much better. If you'll just wait and rest in me for the right person instead of taking the right now person, it'll be so much better in the long run. If you'll wait for the right opportunity, it'll be so much better. So you need to learn how to rest. Wait on God and expect Him to do it. The second thing that you need to learn to do is watch. Watch. Everybody needs models to learn from. Examples. Joshua gets a lot of time learning how to be a leader because he's watching Moses do it. It is great, it is great commodity for you to be able to watch someone lead and you don't have to take the hit for it. Joshua watched Moses. When Moses goes up on Mount Sinai to get the tablets from God, who went with him? Joshua. 
He, was, he went halfway up the mountain. He was the only one on the mountain that, that got to go up that high. And when Moses comes walking back down, do you remember what happened when he came down off the mountain? He had the Ten Commandments, and all the people was dancing naked around the fire, and there was this, this golden calf that they, had, uh, that they had fashioned out of the earrings of the women. You remember that story? And, and, and Moses, Moses had been on the mountain for 40 days. There's a theme. There's a theme. These people said, Moses has been gone too long. We're not waiting any longer. Make us a God. You see a theme developing when you get in a hurry and you won't wait on God's best? You get what's left? Say, hey, we're not waiting any longer. Make us a God we can see. So everybody gives their earrings to Aaron. Aaron makes a, a golden cow and they're all dancing around it. Moses comes down the mountain, looks at his associate pastor and says, Aaron, I've been gone for a month and you've done the whole church's backslid. What's wrong with you? Aaron said, I don't know what happened. We just threw the gold in and this cow jumped out. Can you imagine Joshua? Have you ever been in the room when your mom and dad got in a fight? Mom and dad, you ever got? <laughs> you ever been in the room when two people that weren't your mom and dad got in a fight? How awkward that feels? I mean, like the whole room is stiff. Can you imagine? Moses wants to kill his brother. And Joshua's just standing there watching all of it. Joshua got to see how Moses led through difficult situations. Uh, when Moses would go into the holy place to hear from God, who got to go with him? Joshua. Joshua would go in and stand outside the holy place, and he was like the intermediary between Moses and all the other people. For 40 years, he watched Moses lead. Some of us get upset because we haven't been promoted yet. Can I help you? Maybe there's something that God wants you to watch for a little while longer. Maybe there's something that He is preparing you for and you get to learn a little bit more and watch what God says about leadership and about influence and how to handle things because He doesn't want to bring you into your blessing too soon. So you get to rest, you get to watch, and here's the third. You're going to love this one too. Serve. So far my speech has been very motivational this morning, hasn't it? I get to wait, I get to watch other people get blessed, and now I get to serve. Bring it on. See, be faithful with a little responsibility that you have right now, and God will promote faithfulness. What I love is that Joshua is called Moses' minister. All through the Old Testament, the Bible refers to Joshua as Moses' minister. And that word has been twisted in our in, in our world because when somebody asks you who's the minister at promise of victory your answer is pastor mitchum but the right answer is all of us because the word minister means servant and the new testament is very clear that we're all called to be servants of one another and so when Jesus, do you remember when Jesus was talking to his disciples and they didn't want to wait to come to power? And they're arguing over who's going to get the set at his right hand. you remember that? And they didn't want to wait for Jesus to go through the, everything that he was going through. They, they were like, yeah, we're ready right now. We want to rule and reign right now. Jesus said, you want to know how to rule? And they were like, puppy dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us. Tell us, how to, tell, tell, tell us what the secret is to rule. You really, really want to know how to rule? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus, tell us. Tell us. We're ready. We're ready. We're ready to rule right now. He says, good. Serve each other. You, you mean beat each other. You mean argue with each other. You mean prove moral superiority to each other. No, if you want to rule and lead, you serve each other. And when you serve other people, you'll find out why God wants to bless you. You ready for this? 
The reason God wants to bless you is because you'll put into practice what God did for you, for other people. God blessed you, and it doesn't end with you. You turn around and use what God gave you to do to somebody else. People that are far from God, that won't come to church to hear from Him, you can be to them what God was to you. God puts deposits in your life so you can invest it in other people. I'll just, listen, I'm the kind of person, I don't, brag just to brag. I, bra- I give people the roses while they're living. I try to do that. I, I want you to know that. And um, I-, I don't know how many of you get her early and ever go across the hallway to get the donuts in the morning. But I just want to talk to you about uh, having a heart and a-, and a mindset for service. Since we were at the old church and there was about 70 people there and only six of them ate donuts, Ron Hall has bought those donuts and brought them consistently, faithfully, as the church has grown. And what started out as 18 donuts turned into three or four dozen donuts. And Ron never asked anybody else to help him. He just kept increasing the donuts. As the mouths increased, he just increased the donuts. And I walk in that room sometimes and I'm like, Man, there's a lot more donuts now than there used to be. Because when he first volunteered to do that, I didn't ask you to do it. Nobody asked you to do it. He just volunteered to do it. But he wanted to be a servant. And his attitude never changed as the mouths increased and the need increased. That's why God blesses you. God blesses you with things so you can bless other people. And I'm not just putting him on pedestal because there's other people in this church that do things that you'll never know about. And they do it because they, they want to be a servant. They want to serve other people and, and they have a heart to serve. And I promise you this, if you're willing to serve other people, the, the supply will be never ending. If God knows he can get it through you, he will always get it to you and you will always be a catapult for his blessings. The fourth thing, and I, four and five are going to be real quick. Number four is you got to believe. While you're waiting, you got to keep believing. Do you know that Joshua saw the blessing and waited 40 years to get back to it? And he didn't just see it. He walked in it. Moses sent them boys over, sent 12 spies over to spy out the land. And this was the time before iPhones. So he said, I need a picture. And so since it was probably a long time ago, it was probably one of them Kodak. You know, when your picture came out and you had to shake it? Because this was a long time ago. So they probably had Kodak cameras. Joshua ate the grapes. He witnessed the blessing. He walked in the blessing. And then he had to leave it for 40 years. Can you imagine? Can you, can you imagine your attitude walking around your blessing for 40 years, knowing it ain't your fault that you ain't in there? He's got the taste of them grapes on his lips for 40 years. And the only difference between Joshua and everybody who died in the wilderness was what they believed. The only difference, they died in the wilderness. Joshua had to wait for a whole generation to die. I thought one time, see, y'all got to pray for me. Because I ain't as holy as Joshua. Because I've thought myself before, God said the generation had to die. And Joshua got to go in. So, you know, maybe they're walking a little close to the cliff or something. And, Oops. Sorry, Ezekiel. <laughs> I mean, we got 115 left. Let's see. <laughs> no, I'm sure them eggs are fine. Go ahead and eat them. No, they've been out in the desert sun for seven days. I'm sure they're fine. Go ahead. 
Just, I mean, I'm just thinking in my mind that he had to wait for a whole generation to pass away. Once some of them got a little longer in the tooth, I'd be, how you feeling? Like, it, it sounds like you're a little congested. You got, you, are you sick? <laughs> I, I'm not telling you to be Dr. Convorkian or anything, but when somebody else is keeping you from your blessing that you are not responsible for holding yourself out of, that would be a tough gig. Somebody say amen. And he had to keep believing through all the years. And number five, while you're waiting, you're responsible to grow. Some of you are more advanced in your walk with God than others are. I've been a Christian a long time. Some of you have been a Christian longer than I have. And some of you are brand new to the faith, and it doesn't really matter because we're all the same. And, and what I mean by that is this. There's different stages of the journey, but we're all on the same journey. We're all on the same path going to the same destination. And the moment you gave your heart to Jesus Christ and turned everything over to Him, He said this to you. You've got the rest of your life to get this right. The rest of your days, you've got to make this right. That's what this life is for. Somebody say amen. Do you know why you're still here? There's two reasons you're still here. To be a blessing to somebody else and to grow. You say, Pastor, I don't believe that. Well, then why didn't he just take you home when you got saved? Why, why wouldn't every time somebody comes to the altar to get saved, he wouldn't just eject button and shoot you right out of the auditorium and, and take you on to glory? The reason he leaves you here is because there's purpose in you. There, there's destiny in you. There, there's reason for you to be here. And those reasons are you, he left you here to help somebody else be a blessing to other people and to grow, to become more and more and more and more and more like Jesus. And some of you are discouraged because you haven't reached perfection yet. But just because you haven't reached full maturity yet doesn't mean he's done with you because you're still alive, which means there's still time. And so the mistakes you are making are helping you to grow. God never wastes time. I'm a firm believer that he never wastes waste time and he never wastes people and he never wastes your pain. So, so you don't waste what God gives you. you. You use it to grow. And sometimes we fail to believe that God wants to bless us because we think blessings only look like good things. I don't consider salad as much of a blessing as I do Gus's donuts. Like, look, y'all can look at me in that tone of voice if you want to, but I just don't get spiritual over salad. I speak in tongues over a donut. I'll do a Jericho march seven times around the table. I'll fall out on the floor. I'll give myself an offering. I mean, it's a spectacle. I mean, but they're both nutritious. Well, actually, one's a lot better for me than the other. And the one that I look at and lust for isn't the thing that God wants me to have. The thing He wants me to have is the thing I'm like, you got anything else? Are there any other options? So, so the Scripture is very clear that sometimes your greatest pain is a blessing. Sometimes your greatest problem is the thing that God uses to help you grow. And the thing that you walk through has been so hard that they become your story and your testimony because your experience is if God brings me to something, He will surely bring me through it because God has never left me or forsook me. So you got to understand this. God's blessing is not just about happy stuff. God's blessing is everything God is doing in your life. The good, 
the bad, and the ugly. Because every season you're in is preparing you for your next season. Rachel and Kaylee are both sitting here, and they're both in a season of preparation. And where they are right now is preparing them for where they're going. You know, the heartburn, the indigestion, the sleepless nights, the not being able to eat stuff, liking food one day, throwing it up the next day, that's preparing them for when they got to change diapers and they get 3 o'clock uh, feedings. And they... You think you're inconvenienced now. You have not yet begun to be inconvenienced. And then you think the worst possible thing is raising an infant. And you think that until you have to raise a toddler. And then you think, it can't get worse than this. And then that toddler becomes a preteen. And if both of you survive those years, your reward is teenagers. And then you're like, finally, they're 18. Praise Jesus, it's over. It can't be worse than... Then there's grown kids living in their own house and you're still taking care of them and worrying about them and doing stuff for them. And you're like, God, what is this? I thought I was done raising children. And then grandchildren start coming along and you get to half raise them too. And you're like, God, what are you doing to me? I said I wanted to be like you. And God says, exactly. I've been raising you and watching you grow. And even when you get mature, you still mess up. You still cause me heartache. You still make mistakes. You're still not perfect. And I still have to be your father. And there won't be a day that you walk this earth that I won't still have to be guidance to you and protection to you and help to you and help you perform and help you get over obstacles and anytime you call me I'll be right there so there's a scripture in Galatians chapter 4 and I'm going to bring it to a conclusion with this scripture here's what the Bible says but when the right time came the right time the, the right time. It wasn't early. It was the right time. When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. When the right time came. Look at your neighbor and say, sometimes you just got to wait. Yeah. Sometimes you, you just got to wait. You got to wait for the right time. The right time God sent His Son, Jesus, to purchase us out of our sinful lifestyles, to redeem us with forgiveness for grace, because we were no longer children of sin, but instead we are children of the Most High God. And our God did that when? At the right time. Now, this phrase can also be translated, but when the time was fully pregnant. Now, I've never been pregnant. I know this is 2022, but I'm still old school. I can't get pregnant. I've never been pregnant, but I have been in that room three times when my wife was giving birth to our three children. And here's what I learned. 
if it's time, you can't stop it. And if it's not time, you can't force it. So when God said, I did this when time was fully pregnant, what he was saying is this. When it's God's timing, you can't make it happen early. But when it's God's timing, you can't stop it when it finally shows up. And that's why some of you, when you're waiting, you won't realize why you're waiting during the wait. It's when you get through it and you look back that you realize the why behind the wait. And I'm going to talk to somebody because right now you can't see it. But years from now, years from now, you're going to look back and say, thank God he did not give me what I asked for. I thought that was the one. I thought they were the one. I thought that I wanted them. I thought that... Thank God he did not give me what I asked for. Thank God it didn't show up sooner because I, I thought I was ready, but I was not ready. Does anybody know what we talk about? So some of you right now feel like you're probably in a holding pattern and you're waiting and you're believing and doing everything you know to do and you're trusting God who says he can and yet he hasn't done it. He says he can, but he hasn't done it. He says he can, but he hasn't done it. And if you're waiting, you're in good company. Because Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years to hold baby Isaac. Joseph had a vision to rule and to lead and to influence and to save his people, but he waited 13 years, and 12 of them he waited in prison for something he didn't even do. The woman with the issue of blood waited 12 years in private pain and agony and unable to function like a normal woman. She was held up relationally. She was held up interpersonally. She was spiritually unclean. Twelve years to touch the hem of his garment and be made clean instantly. I'm going to drop a truth bomb on you right now. Are you ready for this? Some of you are in the waiting and you don't know why. Go read your New Testament and find out that there was a man who waited 38 years. He was lame from his mother's womb. He could not get off of a mat by himself but Jesus came along after 38 years and said take up your mat and walk and he was instantly healed here's the truth I want to share with you you are healed while you are waiting some of you are wondering why the wait has been so long. The reason it's been so long is because God is bringing healing to you and you're not whole yet. So some of you think you're waiting on something that God's not prepared for you. So keep waiting because while you're waiting, you're being healed. The emotional trauma, the mental stress, the physical burdens, all of it's going to be wiped away when it's perfect time. In other words, maybe the reason you're waiting is because the thing you're waiting on is not ready. Or maybe it's ready, but God knows you're not. So you're still waiting. Whatever's going on, don't waste the waiting. So let me ask you a question. Why did you stop believing? I'm not talking about believing in Jesus. Huh? I'm talking about people that still believe in God. Those of you that are in here and you're still saved. When did you stop believing big things from God? Did you wait so long? That you still believe in God, but you don't believe God? You've been asking for miracles and they haven't shown up, and in the waiting, you didn't train right. And you have stopped believing God to do big things. While you're waiting, you have to continue to believe. So if you can look back over your life and say, Man, I used to be so on fire for Jesus. 
I used to believe him. I used to pray and stomp holes in my carpet because I was believing God to do great things. And if you can say that and you now say, but now, now, now it's like I just say prayers, but I don't. Won't you try this? How about today we choose to believe again? Even if it means more waiting. How about today we choose today? I'm going, to, I'm going to start believing God to do big things again. God wants to bless me and He wants to bless me massively. And there is nothing my God can't do. And I'm going to believe again. And I'm going to conclude today with this thought. The world is full of people who think they're waiting on God. But God's actually waiting on them. Because somebody in this room, you can't trust God again because you've never trusted Him with your life. You're asking God. You come to church on Sundays and you ask God for blessings. And you're waiting on Him to give you all the things you think you need but you have never received the most important gift that he offers, eternal life. Some of you are waiting on God to do the miraculous, and you think you're waiting on him? And he says, I can't do something for you until you let me do something in you. I can't do something for you until you allow me to do something to you. And as help to drive that point home, only the church has an exit. Hell has no exit. When God prepared hell for Lucifer, He did not prepare hell for humans. He prepared hell for Lucifer. And when he prepared hell for Lucifer, he made a way that hell could see what's going on in heaven for the fact of torment. But when he made hell, he fixed it in such a way that those that are in hell can never exit and those that are in heaven can never come to where they're at and help them out. Can I tell you tonight, You ought to exit while you can. You need to exit a life of sin while you can. Exit your lifestyle while you can. If you question whether your life is pleasing to God, you listen to this preacher tonight. Exit while you can. But I've got to keep on telling because your conscience has been seared does not negate the fact that Jesus is coming. Exit while you can. And what could be worse than hell? He said what could be better than, for, than heaven would be as you are walking up to the throne. you're walking up to the throne you made it to heaven you made it there and you're walking up to the throne and all of a sudden you hear mama mama that's Jared oh 
the throne of God. I can think of nothing better. I can think of anything that would top heaven than to be around the throne of God and to have my children around the throne of God. And we're saying it paid off, didn't it? Son-in-laws, it paid off, didn't it? It paid off, didn't it? No, no. It paid off, didn't it? I know they were making fun of us. I know we were getting ridiculed. But it paid off. Look at Jesus, Nolan. Look at the Lord, Nolan. It paid off. I can think of nothing worse than hell. Oh, nice and hell. Flames dancing all around me. A body that won't burn because it's an eternal body and it won't burn. Gnashing of teeth. People gnashing on each other with their teeth. You're in a free fall the whole time because it's a bottomless pit. You hear the hissing of demonic spirits as they whiz around your ears. And you hear all of these things are gnashing and moaning. Oh God, it's a cry of the unimaginable. You're hearing all of this. People are gnawing on you. And all of a sudden, you're comes up beside you in hell you hear me tonight I'm about to preach you to this altar you hear me tonight daddy you better live such a way that in hell your children don't come up around you and say daddy why didn't you lead us daddy why didn't you get your feelings hurt mama why was you so carnal mama why wasn't you in the prayer group instead of the gossip group I've come to tell you tonight So it's real simple. Sharing memes on Facebook isn't going to cut it. Having scriptures that you say, I'm claiming my promises. Promises of what? You're trying to get prosperity out of a God that you've never received salvation from? God wants to bless you. It's true. But he's a lot more interested in saving you than he is blessing you. As a matter of fact, if he has to withhold blessing to get you on your knees, he'll do it a hundred times out of a hundred. Because more important to him than seeing you blessed is seeing you face to face. I don't know your story. There's a lot of you in here that I just, I don't know, I don't know who you are. I don't know where you live. I don't know how you live. I don't know the choices you've made. I don't know what brought you here this morning, but I know this. It's not an accident. God draws exactly who needs to hear the word. So I'm going to make this really short and sweet this morning. Some of you think you're waiting on God to show up and give you a blessing, but God's waiting on you. Because the greatest blessing you will ever receive is the gift of salvation for the remittance of your sin. There is no greater payoff than heaven when you die. Casting off the cares and the weights and the burdens of this life and walking in personal freedom and being in His presence for eternity, there's nothing greater than that that is your blessing 
You come to church looking for a blessing, I'm offering it to you this morning. It's available. It's ready. It's gift-wrapped. It was paid for 2,000 years ago. It's not been on a layaway plan. It's been available the whole time, and it's ready today. I can't tell you that he's going to give you a financial breakthrough today. I can't tell you he'll heal your body physically today, but I can 120% guarantee you he'll save your eternal soul this morning. I can't, I can't make you any other promises about breakthroughs and miracles and signs and wonders and all the stuff that we like and enjoy. I can't tell you that that'll happen today, but I promise you he'll save you today. It's his will. It's his desire. And he's here. And if you're here and you need to make heaven your home and you need to make Jesus your Savior, I'm going to ask you to be bold. I know, I, I know, I know people will look at me. No, they're going to rejoice with you, and so is the angels in heaven. But if you're here this morning and, and you need Jesus, there's no shame. There, there's no shame in walking that aisle and coming to this altar. But there is shame in missing the opportunity. And that shame lasts forever, and eternity is a long time. So if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you need to, or if you've accepted him in the past but your life has led you in another direction and you say pastor I don't even know what that means it means that, that, that you have lived your life to satisfy you instead of living it to satisfy him you've created distance between you and him today's the day to come home this is your blessing I'm offering you the greatest blessing that anybody's ever offered it's not a diamond ring and it's not a new house it's the gift of eternal salvation if that's you this morning, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to be bold and come to the front of this, this room this morning. As a matter of fact, in preparation for that, would everybody join me and stand this morning? If you're a believer and you're secure in your faith, would you begin to pray? Would you begin to pray that the Holy Ghost would send conviction on any heart that needs saved this morning? We're family. You don't have to be embarrassed in front of family. You never have to be embarrassed in front of family. If you're here this morning and you need prayer because you want to you give God your life, come to this altar. Today is the day of salvation. The Bible makes it real clear that we shouldn't wait on this decision. There's a lot of things you can put off. But this is the one that you need. Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved. Then you need to make sure. I think I'm saved. Well, I think you might want to sure that up. I'm not sure about my standing with the Lord. Let's take care of that this morning. So if you're here, I'm not going to belabor the point. I'm not going to drag it out. If everyone here is secure in your faith, then I'm glad for you. If you're not secure in your faith, then I can only imagine you just simply don't care. And then I'm sad for you. Because forever is a long time to miss the Lord this is your call for your blessing and Jesus I need you I want to be saved I don't know how to do this but I trust that you're going to help me you don't have to be perfect this morning you just have to be faithful Does anybody else want to join these that are at the altar?
You're believing God to do great things in your life. Nothing is greater than surrender. Nothing is greater than salvation. As you pray for them, ask them to receive Jesus. Lead them in a sinner's prayer. Have them confess that they're broken and sinful without God. But that through Him and by Him and in Him, we are made whole. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost, do the work that only you can do. Take out these hearts of stone and Give them hearts of flesh, hearts that are turned towards you, hearts that are in love with you, hearts that seek you, hearts that hunger and thirst for righteousness. And seal their salvation, God, so that they are as sure that they're going to make heaven their home as if they were already standing on streets of gold. If you hear these tears being shed up here, that's the sound of people getting their blessing. And it's not too late. If you're feeling that urging, that's not me, that's the Holy Spirit drawing you to repentance, wanting you to obtain salvation. Don't hesitate. Won't you come?